Hi, my name is T.Y. Welcome on Clap Band and Rant. And uh, the English football weekend just got concluded a moment ago. Uh, we saw Manchester City blew three goals unreplied at the Old Trafford. Uh, as disappointed as that was. But um, guys, before we get down to the whatnots and the analysis, I just I want to share um, a personal opinion, a personal sentiment. Uh, I feel like over time, football has gone soft. And the context with which I'm speaking from is, uh, is stem from the fact that uh, a lot of times when you see the, character be, um, the characters behind the scenes in the dressing rooms for Manchester United at the time, I mean, I'm talking about the Roy Kings, you know, and all the leaders and the Paul Scholes and all the big players uh, that used to be in this club or at this club. Uh, I remember one time I was watching a show, you know, and uh, a particular footballer, I think it was Greg Bellamy, he was being interviewed, you know, and they were were speaking on a wide range of issues. And and then the the subject for uh, the most competitive teams that he has he had played against the conversation came up and they started to talk about it and then he said one time at a game uh at old trafford he said they had you know quite a physical game because as you would imagine the games between manchester united and liverpool from time immemorial it, it used to always be a tussle and so he said that the game was really tough and all and there were lots of kicks and, you know, tackles. And at the end of the day, uh, he said, as he was walking down the tunnel, Roy Keane walked up to him and said, you know, started trash talking and all those kind of stuff. And he responded in like manner. And along the lines of the argument, um, Roy Keane said that, send me a location. Pretty much give me your address and I'll meet you up. And let's let's do it. Let's have a fist fight. And then Bellamy said, along the lines of the argument, he also proceeded to give him the information. And he said that in his whole career, he never had a moment, a what the fuck moment like that. He never had a moment like a moment that blew his mind. And he said, "What are these guys crazy?" He said he was having dinner. You know, the game was concluded. They had done um, the team talk. They had gone home and he was relaxing in his pajamas with his family. And then he had a knock on his door. And then he went up, looked through the um, eye hole and saw Roy Keane. He said, he said he, he didn't even believe his eye. Like, guys, but to cut the long story short there, all I'm saying in essence is that you see the error that we've come from and it's so glaring to see the dilapidation it's so glaring to see the decline from an era like that see guys over a period of time you know i've come to a conclusion that there are amongst other ways that a team can be successful and play well there are two integral ways a team can play and perform well. The first one is that a team would have quality players, you know, that can control games, 
can detect plays, score goals from very tiny chances. Or a team that is able to put together players, gather them, let them share the same motivation. There's either one, it has to be either one of these two things. You have to have a team comprising of quality or a group of dedicated individuals who are committed to fighting for that badge. Other than that, you'll just be Manchester United currently. One step in front, two steps backwards. Two steps in front, three steps backward. And over and over and over. Why I'm saying this is because fine and good, everybody goes through crisis. There was a point between 2017, if I'm correct, between 2017 and 2019, when Arsenal went through that rough patch, you know, shortly shortly after changing stadiums and coming from Highbury into um, um, Emirates Stadium, there were lots of financial challenges and they had to struggle. They could not really buy, you know, the kind of quality players that they would have liked to buy to compete in the Premier League. And it is understandable that pretty much everybody go through this patch. Which is why I said, and which is why I am emphasizing that there are two ways, two important ways that a team can succeed. One, like I've said already, is if you have a, com- if you have a team of quality players that can force results for you or in a scenario where you have a group of committed individuals and as we speak as i speak to you guys now i don't think that we fall into either of these categories we do not have quality players that can force play and get results for us and then we still do not have a group that is committed to a single cause this match today, this match today, I know the vex, so no, because of course, the points where we did now for the season, I, I, I mean, sincerely, the statistics are there, even the bookmakers, they're going to tell you the odds do not even favor Manchester United. And sincerely, uh, other than the hope of a fan, I wasn't going to the game expecting too much. But it still does not excuse the fact that we have players that don't know how to fight for this team. I mean, how hard can it fucking be? How hard can it be to fight and put in your quarter to ensure that at least Ibad as Ibad make you beat your chest say yes? I do my bit. This game, eh, I expect Onana to pack all those defenders, put for one room, make a give and belt, make it just the flock each and every one of them. Because without Onana today, the score line for the embarrassing. Go and look at the XG now. As at the last time I checked, not before full time, I checked the game, you know, just about when. 10 shots on target. 10 fucking shots on target. At home. In Old Trafford. I remember when, you know, we were like, Ibad as Ibad. No matter how he won bad. For Old Trafford, those things know they happen. We will grind our results. 
will take points, be that as it may. We never, I only just yesterday, now we did this form that I'm speaking about. And then today, you see that now everybody just comes. In fact, I'll reach out to, I'll reach out to my wedding planner. I'll tell him, say, make him go find house, see how if he use Ultra for, for wedding. Because it be like, say, Ultra for now, now, now church where everybody, they come marry us. You just come, just come, walk you to the altar, you marry us, give us ring. It's embarrassing. Nobody's saying that we expect to beat Manchester City, but we expect a fight. Every time the players don that badge, we should see that they are fighting, they are sweating. I, I mean, it's so sad to see that Manchester United as an organization don't decline to the point where we say our players now just they play for wages. Almost all the players for that team now they just play the they, they just play the ball like 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 like, like profession, like occupation. After they go pay me salary. I don't know how many players still they play with passion. I don't know how many players go 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 back dressing room. The vex say no. We allow these guys. Come, ultra for we're supposed to be our sacred home, Manchester where we supposed to dominate. The whole city don't turn blue. It is sad. It is pathetic. In a game where we they mourn the loss of one of our greatest legend. The, the least you would have expected would have been a fight. But clearly, I, I mean, clearly that was too much to expect. They've gone out there, you know, had a woeful performance that resulted in a 0-3 loss to Manchester City. And that continues to be a problem. Congratulations to Manchester City. And uh, it's, it's really sad, but, um, you know, we have to move on and, and uh, speak about other topics as well. Uh, earlier today, we saw Liverpool continue with their flying start into the season. Uh, three nil emphatic win there to Nottingham Forest. Uh, goals from Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunes, and of course, Mohamed Salah. And Nunes, it just baffles me why, you know, I mean, you know, I followed Nunes' career and I noticed a pattern. It seems like he comes into a new team and struggles for the first season and then goes goes on to the next season and uh, proceeds to have a fantastic one. So coming into this season, I predicted him to have, you know, a great season. Which is why I never really understood the rotation thing. Because it's one thing to rotate the player, yes. But it, it felt like Jurgen Klopp was playing him one match in, one match out. You know, he plays in this game and then goes on to come from the bench in the next one. Uh, and uh, I didn't really understand why that was happening because I felt like they brought him in to be the first team striker for the team. But it's good to see that, you know, he's been getting uh, game time and he's really doing well for himself and, and for the team. Uh, earlier on in the week, uh, he scored a goal as well in the Europa uh, and then coming on, off the back of that one, uh, it was really important to see how he was going to continue in that form. And yes, he did continue in that form. Went on to uh, assist, even though the assist was, you know, a kind of rebound. You know, he took a shot and uh, the keeper re and the rebound fell kindly into the parts of uh, Jota and went on to take the uh, went on to take the lead in that one. And uh, just a few moments later, uh, Nunes got on the end of. Uh, 
a Sobos like pass and went on to double the lead. And uh, for a moment, he felt like you know the game was going to end that way. But of course, Mohamed Salah. He, of course, went on to score his own goal, continues his form, his goal scoring form into the season. And of course, Liverpool, such an important win there, and especially against a stubborn team, you know, a resilient team like Nottingham Forest. Uh, that win took Liverpool to uh, 23 points and fought on the standings. And uh, moving on to uh, other results Brighton over Albion drew 1-1 at home to Fulham. Ah, uh, Brighton have struggled per se, you know, they've struggled with being able to maintain the momentum and the levels with which they've, uh, you know, been operating at recently. And uh, I don't know, I think that injuries might be some cause uh, for why, they are, why they've struggled to find results. But overall, you can't take anything away from a decent side like Fulham. Uh, personally, coming into that game, I felt like it was really open especially because the head-to-head -head doesn't essentially necessarily support uh, Brighton. They've struggled, they've really struggled recently to take maximum points against Fulham. And uh, I guess they'll have to wait for uh, a first win against Fulham in several years, the next time they meet. Uh, and uh, Aston Villa continue with their terrific home form. Went on to win Luton Town by three, goes to one. And I imagine that when you hear three goals to one, you would expect that I would say that uh, Watkins got a couple. But sadly, especially for fantasy Premier League players, uh, only Watkins was not on the end of either one of those goals. On the contrary, Diaby, who has had it coming for a while now, I, I feel like he's had it coming for a while. He's been really important. You know, a lot of times you don't you don't know because he's not on the assist sheet. But when you look at the team as a whole and you compare statistics as regards passes into final third, you know, chances created and all that, you see how important Diaby has been for uh, Aston Villa. And he went on to score a goal and got an assist in this game as well. And uh, the 1-3 goes to 1. Uh, a late own goal by... Uh, Martinez, very similar to the same one he considered against Arsenal last season. He, I don't know, I think his height is a problem for him in that regard. He has this problem where uh, shots go on to ricochet from the bar and, you know, hit him at the back of his head and go into, uh, go into the net. And uh, it was sad to see him concede like that. Uh, but moving on, uh, earlier kickoff for today, uh, pretty much... I would say a surprising result for two reasons. One is that West Ham generally struggle, especially at home, surprisingly, against Everton. And, you know, also coming off the back of uh, a first loss in Europe in 17 matches. You just feel like these things tend to get into your head a little bit. And, it's, and, you, and you know, coming into that game, they, they didn't really find their footing early. And uh, I felt like Everton started the game really well. You know, I was watching the game and uh, the enforced play and eventually got a goal from uh, Dominic Carver-Lewin. Beautiful strikers goal. One touch set the... One touch... The one touch put Zuma off and then he went on to score. Um, he already knew where the goalkeeper was. Strikers goal. Fascinating goal and a really big, important three-point win. Uh, uh, very, really... I, I, I cannot emphasize how important this win is for Everton. I mean, it's taking them away from uh, 
the relegation places and uh, they continue to see how they would find uh, momentum over the next couple of games. And uh, for Saturday as well, we saw a couple of Premier League games on Saturday as well. Uh, moving on from the last game for that day, uh, Newcastle United drew away to Wolverhampton 2-2. Two, two, uh, important game there. Callum Wilson had a brace in that one, went on to score in the 22nd minute, got the first goal. And shortly after, Lemina got an equaliser. And uh, for a moment, it was looking like it was going to be a stalemate at halftime. But Callum Wilson went on to convert a penalty just at the death of the halftime. And, uh, you know, coming into the uh, second half, you would expect that Eddie Howe, who is a very great and amazing technical, um, tactical manager, would give some instructions to uh, his players. And, uh, you know, from the start of the second half into about the, seven, the, the 70th minute, the game was really balanced. But yes, Wolverhampton continue on the back of their uh, goal-scoring form. And uh, they went on to equalize again by Wang Hee Chan, uh, who is having an amazing season by his standards. And a full-time result for that game was 2-2. And uh, overall, you wouldn't say it's a very disappointing result, you know, especially for Newcastle who are struggling with uh, several players who are injured and a couple of players also uh, that have been banned. Uh, and uh, if you didn't know about that story, yes, Sandro Tonali, the Newcastle United big money signing from AC Milan, yes, has just been banned for 18 months for breaching betting rules. And... Uh, Yes, 18 months ban and uh, subject to a 10-month consideration if he complies with therapy. Uh, we're sending you the best wishes and we hope that you can bounce from that one there, uh, Sandro Tonali. Uh, and then moving on to other games for uh, the weekend. Uh, Burnley started well away to Burnley you know, by a goal from Chris Taylor. And uh, even though Burnley have really struggled in the Premier League, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they are a shadow of the team that they were last season. They're coming from the back of a season where the blue pass teams went on to win the championship by a whooping margin. And to come into the Premier League with a statistics of eight losses in the last nine Premier League games. That's it's really, really crazy. It just goes to show the levels with which the Premier League operates from. And to be honest, I don't see how they can stay up with this kind of form unless they can do something about it sooner uh, rather than later. So, uh, you know, they went on to score early and for a moment it felt like they were going to keep their own. But no, eventually uh, Bonnemar got an equalizing goal and went on to score a winner by billing. In the 76th minute, went on to win that game by two goals to one. And Burnley continued to scramble for points. Uh, earlier on, uh, also Arsenal. Arsenal saw off Sheffield United by an emphatic 5-0 victory. It, the game was just pretty much exactly as most of you would have predicted. Uh, Sheffield United have struggled lately. Uh, last weekend, saw, uh, saw them uh, lose to... Manchester United in a very, very heartbreaking fashion. And they just continue to struggle. And trust me, Arsenal, Arsenal are the last team that you want to play coming off that kind of form. 
especially at the Emirates. Uh, you know, uh, and they went on to win by five goals to nil. Um, big shout out to Eddie Nketia. And uh, I just want to take a moment and speak about this guy. This guy is an incredible guy. And I'm so happy to see that he's um, finally getting the recognition that he deserves. He's been consistent in the sense that for every time that you bring Eddie Nketiah on to come and, you know, hold the fort for a certain first-team player that is out injured, he does his job. And big shout-out to him. Uh, you know, especially uh, at the end of, at, at the start of this season, there were a lot of uh, stories emanating as regarding his transfer, especially because Folarin Balogun, uh, who was on loan at the time in uh, France, was coming off the back of a terrific season. And, you know... At the point, I imagine Ateta must have had the dilemma of um, what is he gonna do. He has he has certain uh, center forwards like uh, Folarin Balogun, uh, Gabriel Yusis, of course, and uh, Eddie Nketiah, amongst other academy players. And eventually, he stuck with keeping Nketiah. I felt like it's a really good decision and it's, it's good to see uh, him paying the coach's belief. And he went on to score a hat-trick in that game. And I tell you, they were really amazing and fascinating goals. So big up to you, Nketia. Uh, we hope that you can continue in that kind of form. Arsenal went on to uh, win by five goals to new, like I said earlier. Uh, other goals also was from uh, Fab Fabio Vieira and, uh, of course, Tommy Yasu. And uh, for the first game for Saturday, wow, Chelsea. Chelsea... At the, at the time when he felt like they were finally, you know, they had found a blueprint with which they want to operate with. It felt like they finally had the first team that they want to operate with moving forward, you know, pending the uh, return of several other players from injuries. And uh, it was really crazy. You know, normally, Brentford are a decent side. They're quite resilient. So when you play against them, you, you, you can expect pretty much anything. But you know, you are home. At home. You know, behind, the, your, your, your supporters are behind and they are cheering. And Chelsea, Chelsea dominated the game a lot. I'm sure that's the most, that would be the most disappointing part for uh, their fans and well-wishers. They dominated the game. And they were playing really well. And it felt like they were going to get the win eventually. And just from a single big chance from Mbwemo, Pinock got the Pinock got the uh, the leading goal. You know, shortly after the start of the second half, and from that point on, Chelsea struggled. They kept struggling, and then later on in the game, they got a corner. You know, and Sanchez, for whatever reason, felt like you know he needed to go and support the team, and it was a complete and absolute catastrophe. The corner came in and sadly he fell on the head of a Brentford player, you know, who headed the ball into the field. And then, long story short, we had a scenario where there were two Brentford players, there was Mopé with the ball, and then there was Umbremo running on his side. Sanchez was behind them. And he ran as fast as he could. I, I, I didn't believe that Sanchez was that fast. You know, he ran as fast as he could. and But sadly, uh, he, he resulted in the second goal. Uh, Brentford went on to win by uh, 
two goals to nil away at home uh, to uh, Chelsea. A really, really big important win for them, especially because they have struggled lately uh, with form. Uh, it's important to see them bouncing back with uh, two big, big wins. That are six points in two Premier League games for them, and they continue to build uh, momentum into the season. And uh, that's all the gist from the um, from the Premier League for uh, this weekend game week ten. And guys, you know, moving on to, uh, you know, other leagues and talking about other important stories. I said that I was going to give a special shout out to Fenerbahce. You know, because they are in the Turkish, they are in the Turkish league and they don't get a lot of recognition per se. But guys, Fenerbahce are doing something remarkable and we have not yet given them any sort of shout out and i feel like they deserve it as i speak to you at the moment fenerbahce sit top of the turkish league and not just that they do that with 30 points from 10 games which means that they have won every single game that they have played in the league this season 10 wins on the spin and you would agree with me that that is a fascinating result. I mean, big ups to uh, the coach, big up to uh, the team there. Uh, they bought a couple of players, Fred from Manchester United, as well as, you know, Edin Zeko from Inter Milan. And these players have been really, really integral for um, uh, Fenerbahce. They have been really important for, uh, they've been involved for in goals and assist and uh, it just continues to uh, be a problem for other competitors like you know galatasaray who also have had a remarkable season but uh, you know fenerbahce has just not given them any opportunity to uh, catch up you know however and whatever happens in that league of course you can be sure that we would always be here to put you through all the gist as they are, are happening uh Moving on to other leagues, uh, the Spanish La Liga. Yesterday, I put out a publication and I'm here to enforce that publication by saying that La Liga indeed has a new king and his name is Jude Bellingham, a.k.a. Bellingo. Uh, it's just amazing. I mean, there are no words to describe the kind of form that Bellingham you know, currently uh, is operating on. I, I mean, he has, he has come, he is a perfect 100 million. Um, he is a blueprint for how a 100 million signing should be. Uh, to be honest, I feel like Real Madrid should ring Dortmund and send them a, a little more money for shopping and for upkeep. Because truly, Jude Bellingham is a phenomenal. At it's just really crazy. Uh, and, you know, coming into that game, of course, you know, the history of the El Clasico, there's usually a lot of bad blood, fear, a banter, and uh, a lot of Manchester United, um, I beg your pardon, <laughs> a lot of Barcelona fans and, and their supporters and well-wishers, you know, have been talking, have been talking, they've, they've been talking down on Jude Bellingham, you know, saying that he scores tappings and all that. And it was important to see him respond. With such a world-class screamer yesterday you know to equalize uh barcelona went up by uh, a goal and uh for a moment it felt like it was just going to be another el classico that they just come in and uh, madrid over a period of time 
I noticed that Madrid have a problem with focus, especially against Barca. You know, and I was having a chat with a colleague while the game was going on, and I was telling him, I said, "Bro, why, why is it always, why is it always an issue for Real Madrid to concentrate when they are playing Barca? I mean, the goal, you know, that Barca went on to take the lead. It was a complete lack of focus, you know, that gifted Gondogan the goal." But yes, it was important to see them bounce back, like I said, by a Jude Bellingham screamer. And then later on into that game, uh, he went on to grab the winner. And uh, that win took uh, Real Madrid back to the top of the La Liga standings, uh, you know, on, on a 28 points. And uh, it, it continues to be, you know, a fight at the top. I feel like this season, the La Liga is going to go down. To pretty much the last game of the season but of course you guys can be rest assured that uh, we'll be keeping you guys posted with all the information that's happening as regards the uh, la liga season uh guys guys i mean uh, it's for a fan i'm i'm terribly disappointed i'm heartbroken like i said already we don't we don't we're not saying that you of course, we know this, the, the, the points that we are now. We know what we are going through. And we expect and we know that it's going to be a gradual improvement. I'm sure if you walk up to any Manchester United fan on the streets, there's pretty much nobody that would expect us to blow away Manchester City. But we owe the players where they collect all those massive salaries. The players that have been given the privilege to play for Manchester United, they owe us, the fans and the supporters, a fight. The least that they can do is at least put in an effort. The defense... I don't blame that lot too. Because honestly, I don't know what exactly we're expecting. Dalo, a player that struggles normally against technically gifted uh, wingers. You go put him for one wing, him alone for that wing against Bernardo Silva. Him alone for uh, that wing. Uh, you know, against those city wingers. And they just they turn him. You know, and then the middle of the pack here, Lindelof. I don't know, I don't know. All these players... If you were bringing Lindelof from the bench to support a team, you would you you, you go see fans go to say make this guy the start, make this guy the start. I don't know what is it. Whenever you give these players the opportunity to eventually start starting the game, they become a shadow of the very same players you saw. What make you give them that opportunity? The problem plenty. Oh. He's lonely at it all. Lonely, lonely, lonely. Ah, I feel like crying. Like my bro Slim will say. I feel like crying. I feel like crying. I feel like crying. Manchester. No worry. So guys, uh, that's all of our football, uh, you know, gist and rap and summary for uh, this weekend. And uh, of course... Unless you're a first-time listener, you already know by now that we take out the segment to uh, shout out to uh, a top-performing member of our fantasy group. We do have a fantasy Premier League group where we play every week for fun 
uh, and for banter. And this week, of course, this week being bloody, but you know, of course, uh, several other players really did turn up. Uh, Haaland, especially for those where Captain Haaland, I'm sure they are smiling. For me, I know Captain and because of sentiment, even though I know, say, I expect them to cook, but of course, I know Captain and because he's a player against my team, I could not, you know, wish him that. Uh, I, I, could, I could not wish him well. But yes, uh, a couple of other players did perform. And, and uh, yes, we have our top performing member for uh, this week. And uh, his name is Mechi Macobra. Drum rolls. Yeah, big ups to you, brother. You are really a terrific player. Mechi Macobra, uh, he, he, he's going to end the week by at least uh, 82 points. And that should take him to first i think he's going to topple me for this week but yes i expect that to take him first on uh the uh, standing so big up to you mechi uh whatever happens for the rest of your season i'm wishing you all the best i hope that you finish second behind me uh thank you guys for hanging with us every week uh thank you guys for your support continuously uh remember to exercise as often as you can and hydrate thank you